true believers and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Open the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us once again for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, and this is the podcast that talks about animation springing from the world of comic books. As always, we have three rules here. Number one, I just explained to you. I hope you were paying attention. Number two, just like the old comic books of uh, DC and Marvel, Marvel Comics Presents, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold. It's a team-up podcast. It's always me and a special guest teaming up. Third and most important, we got to have fun. Thanks for joining us for episode 23. This is a very special episode, the first time ever. I'll be reviewing a cartoon I have never seen before based on a comic book I have actually not read. So it's going to be very exciting. But before we go any further, I'm going to bring my guest on. He is the host of the Moose Monster Mash podcast. Please welcome to the show, Moose. Hey, hey, Matt. How's it going? Not too bad. Thank you very much for being on the show. Welcome to episode 23. Episode 23. Favorite number, actually. Really? Yep. So you must love the uh, the Jim Carrey movie. Love the Jim Carrey movie and Michael Jordan of the Bulls. Thank you very much. <laughs> so this week... You picked it out yourself, what we're going to talk about. A cartoon I have never seen based on a comic book I have never seen. We're going to be talking Young Justice. Yeah, Young Justice was the perfect answer to the Warner Brothers animation block that came out in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, we had Batman the Animated Series. We had Superman the Animated Series. We had that it's like continual run of knockout Warner Brothers uh, programs, then they enter into Young Justice, and we get essentially a continuation of it, but with the sidekicks are now the main feature. Now, um, before we go any further, I always tell my guests, uh, I am not, nor is my guest necessarily an expert. We're just two people who like to talk comic books, and there's going to be spoilers. Now, I... Can't tell you why. I was thinking about it when I started doing my research. I can't really come up with a reason why I did not read Young Justice. Usually I can say, oh, I don't like the writer. I don't like the characters. I don't like the artist. I can't tell you a reason why, looking into it, why I never tried this book when it came out. As far as the book, the book itself, I don't think, got a lot of push. You know, because on its face, there were still sidekicks. You know, so the idea of sidekicks having their own books or having, in the animation sense, having their own show didn't have that huge of a draw. Teen Titans didn't have that huge of a push in the books originally either, because again, sidekicks. 
we have the stigma of it has to be the heroes, the heroes we love. It has to be Batman. It has to be Flash. It has to be Superman. You know, it has to be the big guns. We don't care about, you know, Boy Wonder and Kid Flash and everybody that rides along with them. Their, their stories are incidental. But books like Young Justice and then, you know, Teen Titans, etc., make you care about these characters. And that was the appeal of Young Justice first time I ever read the uh, books. The comic first appeared in 1998, and it was uh, Young Justice The Secret, which I think was a one-shot or possibly a, a mini-series. I think it was a one-shot. And then they appeared again in Justice League miniseries World Without Grown-Ups before finally getting their book in September of 1998, their own ongoing series. Did you read all of those? I've read all of those, and then I kind of fell off after the cartoon picked up, which sucks because I know they put out some really good stories that ran adjacent to what we saw in the series. I, I do want to go back at some point and pick up the other books. But yeah, the, the, the initial run of books, you got a really good look at like who Aqualad is and Speedy and how he's not a sidekick. He's ready. He's mature. He's... He's ready to branch out and be his own guy. You know, he's kind of the first one in the group to say, I'm not a sidekick. They were created by the writer, was it Todd, and I'm terrible with pronunciations, Todd DeZago. And the artists were uh, Todd Nayuk and Larry Stucker. Peter David was the writer when it got his own ongoing series. And I believe the lineup was Superboy, Impulse, Robin, but it was Tim Drake. Amethyst, which surprised me doing my research. I didn't think anybody used that character after the 80s. Looks like Wonder Girl, but I'm not sure if it was Donna Troy or a different Wonder Girl. Teen Lantern and Ginny Hex. There might have been other members, but you'd probably know better than I would. Well, they kind of ran it much like the Justice League, where you had the like core group, and then you had others that came in. But what's interesting is later, when it becomes a show, that core group changes. Yes. <laughs> We're going to be getting to that soon, but that, that the core group is a lot of difference between the comic and the series. Yeah, and it says a lot about marketability. And I, I think that's also why the uh, books didn't get that big of a push and why the cartoon was a little bit more popular. You compare the two lineups, one of them has on its face, a more popular lineup. Whereas, like you said, there are names in the lineup in the books you didn't think people used since, like, the 80s. So, if there's names people aren't using, what's the draw? That's a good point. Now, the cartoon, back in uh, 2009, apparently, uh, a Sam Register, who was the... Uh, Executive Vice President of Creative Affairs at Warner Brothers. Talk about a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that title sounds made up to me. <laughs> he um, was looking to develop a new cartoon. Apparently, uh, some of the rumors were that he wanted another Green Lantern property, but also they were supposedly developing a Nightwing cartoon at the time that never actually came to be, which that would have been interesting. Oh, yeah, I say a chance to see Nightwing on his own would have been phenomenal. And um, he ended up recruiting to develop it 
a Brandon, I think it's VD it's pronounced, who had just directed the Batman Under the Red Hood DVD animated movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Greg Wiseman, who had created previously Spectacular Spider-Man uh, Gargoyles, and he had actually written some of the DC showcase. Uh, you know, I don't know if you how many of the directed DVD movies for DC you've seen, but where they did those little short showcase cartoons, like yeah, he he did the Green Arrow one, which someone told me is in continuity on the Young Justice cartoon that they referenced that Green Arrow showcase cartoon. I I think you're right. Now, um, they finally develop it. The lineup was a bit different, which we're going to get into, uh, and we're going to be talking the first episode, which debuted in November 26, 2010, so approximately 12 years after the comic book debuted. Now, they say that um, when they were coming up with this, that uh, they claim that they literally considered almost a teen version of every single DC hero when they were trying to come up with a lineup for this show. It shows... And if you look at the lineup, uh, apparently when I was doing my research, a lot of characters do show up, but uh, it makes me want to see like, uh, you know, a teen version of, you know, maybe Etrigan the Demon or the Creeper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, a teen Creeper would be funny. So awkward. Like, it'd be the Creeper, but going through puberty. Uh, (laughs) Because, you know, that wouldn't be awkward and creepy at all. (laughs) And, um... The uh, lineup they ended up settling on was uh, Robin, but not Tim Drake. They went with Dick Grayson. Wally West Flash, not uh, Impulse, which kind of surprised me because at that point, Wally West was the Flash and Impulse was had debuted. So I'm kind of surprised they went with Wally instead of Impulse. Um, they also went with uh, Superboy and Aqualad, which we're going to get into a little bit more on that, and... Uh, Artemis and Ms. Martian, which, to be honest, I don't even know, are those characters from the comic book or were they created specifically for the show? You know, I couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Ms. Martian shows up in Supergirl a couple times, but outside of that, there's been so many continuity changes in DC over the years. Well, in comics in general, rather. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's hard to tell you. They didn't want to be bogged down with all the continuity of the comic books, so they had kind of created the Young Justice based on that, but not following a particular lineup or storyline. Apparently, this is Earth-16 that this takes place on, which, to be frank, I didn't even know there was. I should have known there's an Earth-16, but I didn't honestly know there was one until I did my research for this episode. Well, in storyline and feel, it feels like a continuation of the Justice League cartoon. Justice League and Justice League uh, Unlimited, which aired not too long prior to that. It ran for three seasons, 2010-2013, but since then, uh, I guess it was very popular when they aired it on Netflix, as well as uh, I believe there was a Blu-ray of it that was released, and I believe they ran reruns. So it did come back in 2019, I'm not sure if that is exclusively on Netflix or what. Um, now it's on HBO Max. HBO Max, all right. Because I watched this on Amazon Prime, so I wasn't really sure with the uh, if it was. So it's on HBO Max now. Because it was brought back as part of the now-failed DC streaming service. 
Well, yeah, that's the same as Doom Patrol and the Swamp Thing yeah. show, right? Oh. So now all the DC properties that came back with that are now over on HBO Max. Fans had been clamoring for another season for years because it just it cut short. The story was just left wide open and it was just unceremoniously cut because it doesn't sell toys. There's been a persistent rumor that I had heard many times before this that and this is bizarre to me. Uh, now, Greg Wiseman, one of the developers, denies this rumor, but the rumor that lasted for the longest time was that it had a very high female audience, and the executive said that females do not buy toys that boys do, and as a result, they canceled the show. Regardless of what the audience was made up of, it wasn't selling toys. And that's essentially the sole purpose of an animated show. And the marketer's idea is to sell toys. Now, yeah, Wiseman, even though he denies the rumor about the male-female thing, he did admit that, like you had just said, that they had a deal with Mattel that the show's continuing was based in direct response to the toy sales, and Mattel wanted to cancel it because the toy sales were not that successful. It's the same reason that Teen Titans went from Teen Titans to Teen Titans Go!, Young Justice and Teen Titans were both marketed to an older crowd. The older crowd's not buying toys. I mean, now we are. But at the time, we were just watching TV. We weren't out buying toys. If you look at, like, Teen Titans Go, my son, who's nine, watches Teen Titans Go. He wants toys. You know, that that's the market they want. And that's why that shift happened. And that's why this was unceremoniously canceled was because they couldn't make it, a, you know, they, they couldn't take and make this a lighter show like they could with Teen Titans and into Teen Titans Go. It just, it wouldn't fit. It's weird that you say that because the 80s um, was remembered for all these cartoons that were supposedly, you know, to, to sell toys like G.I. Joe and Transformers. But things haven't changed that much where a lot of the cartoons are still designed. They're just a little bit better at hiding it. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's not as in your face about the uh, marketing of here I am to strictly sell toys. I mean, TMNT is still really bad about it. But I, I think at this point, everybody knows TMNT is a driving force to sell action figures. That's just part of the base. What do you think? Do you think uh, there's any truth that uh, girls don't buy toys that only boys do? I don't think they buy action figures as much. Well, at least not back in uh, the early 2000s. I don't think it was marketed to them is the problem. If it were marketed to a broader base, you could sell toys. And that's not on the kids or the parents. That's on marketing. You know, they screwed the pooch. You might have a point because in doing my research, uh, even though there are females on the lineup, not to spoil it, but... uh. Neither of them show up on this first episode that you and I are going to review in a few minutes. No. You know, I mean, it's insanely male-heavy. You know, Justice League was pretty much the same way. You had Wonder Woman. You'd occasionally get Black Canary in there. You you would get females, but not the way you do in other shows. So it stuck with that stigma of, Action figures are for boys. Dolls are for girls. And it's crap. Well, there was a time when uh, they said that He-Man had a very strong female following as well. 
So I think marketed cleverly, I, I, I think girls would buy. Uh, I mean, my daughter plays with any action figure. She's only two, though. So I don't know if she's a good example. Well, my daughter's my daughter just turned 11, and she'll play with uh, my son's action figures right along with him. You know, they have a great bunch of games going. You know, it's just a matter of how do you appeal to them? Well, you make a show that's interesting to everybody. You know, this, this was a show that was geared higher to an older crowd. The older crowd's not buying toys. At end of the day, it has nothing to do with boy or girl. It was marketed to the wrong age group. Yeah, I think the older audience is going to buy a toy, but they're going to buy like a McFarlane, like super detailed of a classic right. thing. They're not going to necessarily And it's going to go on a shelf. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, the particular episode, like I said, it's episode one. Uh, Independence Day is the name. It aired November 26, 2010. It was directed by a Jay Olivia, who was a uh, storyboard artist. He had worked on a, a lot of different cartoons. He also directed uh, the Batman, The Dark Knight Returns uh, animated series based on the classic comic book, and he directed Justice League Dark. Both great outings. Yes, absolutely. Well, I haven't seen Justice League Dark, but uh, I know the, the Dark Knight Returns, the DVD, was actually surprisingly very good and very faithful to the comic book. Where DC lacks on the big screen, they have more than made up for an animation. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And uh, Greg Wiseman wrote the episode. So we're going to go over a little bit of the characters before we jump into watching it. Dick Grayson was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Do you have any input on why they didn't go with Tim Drake? That they, is it, do you think because Dick Grayson is more well-known? I think so. I, I think it's because... You know, everyone knows the Grayson story. The Tim Drake story gets a little dark. And usually at this point now, there's two Robins. There's Dick Grayson and now Damien. So it's interesting to see that dynamic because everyone knows Dick goes to become Nightwing. So I think that's why they kept Dick was to continue his story from sidekick to now he's on Young Justice, and then he eventually goes and becomes Nightwing. The, the Grayson journey, as it were. Now, he's voiced by a Jesse McCartney, who uh, apparently was from the pop band Dream Street. <laughs> Can't speak for you, but I never heard of that band until I started nope. <laughs> researching this episode. Um, and fun fact, he's also the voice of Theodore in the live-action Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Huh. Um, Never would have put those two together. <laughs> now, they didn't go with Impulse. They went with Kid Flash, Wally West, who's created by Carmen Infantino and John Broom. He's voiced by Jason Spizak, who's done multiple, too many to list, but uh, just a handful of things. He's done voices on Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Assemble, Uncle Grandpa, Green Lantern, and so many others. Um, now it's Superboy, but not the classic one of you know, like, not the Superboy you're used to. <laughs> not your grandfather's Superboy, as they might say. <laughs> this uh, was the one from the '90s, created by Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet, and uh, he's voiced by uh, Nolan North, who apparently I was on. He's apparently a very prolific video game voiceover actor. Nolan is phenom is a phenomenal voice actor. He did Penguin in the Arkham games. Yeah. Uh, he's David in Lost of Us. I'm Lost of Us. Last of Us. 
I want to play Lost of Us. Hold on. I like the, I like the sound of that game. <laughs> and um, he did the voice of Ghost in Destiny 1 and 2. And then uh, I didn't, there were a lot of characters up here, but I kind of stuck to the four guys. Um, there's Speedy, who was created by Mort Weisinger and George Papp. Crispin Freeman does his voice. And uh, apparently uh, his biggest claim to fame is he's done a ton of anime English voiceover work so when they adapt him to english he's done numerous anime english adaptations and finally there's aqualad who going into this i thought was jackson hyde but apparently it is not i don't even know how to pronounce his name cary payton all right i was waiting for that one (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're, you're like a whip on that one you had it right there <laughs> and he was created uh specifically for the show you can't tell me though that jackson hyde was not influencer based on this version of aqualad oh yeah you know and kari i mean he's uh almost said war machine ha huh. <laughs> uh first off he's ezekiel in the walking dead Yep, that's what I wrote. And he's, uh, oh, I can see, I I can see him. He's in Teen Titans. (laughs) Yeah, he did uh, voice work on Teen Titans as well. Crap. What is his name? (laughs) Cyborg. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's right there. Right right, there, the most obvious choice. (laughs) The cybernetic kid. What's his name? Oh, Cyborg. (laughs) And Aqualad's... Real name on the show is Calder, Calderam or something like that. It's like Calderan or something. Yeah. Yeah. So that was also a weird choice to me. If they were trying to get the cast more diverse, I'm not sure why they didn't use Cyborg or a teen version of one of their many black superheroes. If that was the reason they changed them, I don't really, they don't really say why they specifically went that direction. Well, I think, and like you said at the beginning, we're not experts, and my memory is a little shaky. I think Calder is probably a spoiler. I think he's related to Black Manta. Well, I know that Jackson Hyde is definitely related to Black Manta, so maybe in the cartoon, this one is also revealed to be related to Black Manta, and maybe that's why they went that direction, possibly. I think it was there was a Black Manta tie-in, and... There was a story in later episodes where he had that like conflicting self thing. Do you know? Do I stay true to who I am or who I've been, or do I go this new route and prove that I'm not this bad guy's son or however related he was? All right, could be right. See, we also, and it's not relevant to the main cast. We also get the cool Aquaman. Yes. That we got in uh, Justice League. It was the like angry, war-torn Arthur Curry, not the I'm riding on the back of dolphins Arthur Curry. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely more the Peter David version of Aquaman. All right. On that note, we will take a little break, and we are going to watch Young Justice Independence Day. And when you come back, we're going to tell you all about it. Stay with us. Ants always ate right, he was smart as a fox He lifted up an elephant and didn't get squashed Master of faster, playing out 
outside. His treat was a box with a smile on the side. McDonald's Happy Meals, now with fat-free chocolate milk. Identify future squad team members. And spot Nicely done. You can soar like a superhero with a Young Justice fingerboard in your McDonald's Happy Meal. Decisions used to be easy, huh? What time to get up, what to wear, where to go. Now, it's a bit different. Could you tell friend from foe? Could you kill? Could you do worse? If a loved one was infected, could you do the right thing? Could you put your life on the line for me? The way I would for you. Could you be the lost of us? Only on PlayStation 3. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. All right, and we're back. And hopefully, uh, you also on the break watched Young Judge. Young Judge? <laughs> hmm. That's uh. <laughs> It uh, goes with that video game, Lost of, <laughs> Lost of Us. We're creating shows, we're creating uh, video games. This does span the uh, multiverse. So, um, towards the end of the episode, as anybody knows, we get into our review of the overall episode. But uh, for my first time, uh, I, uh, I liked mostly what I saw. Well, everyone remembers their first time. <laughs> so, we begin with a, a montage of all the sidekicks with their uh, mentor. All fighting uh, ice-based villains. Robin and Batman are in Gotham. They're fighting Mr. Freeze. Kid Flash and Wally are in, obviously, Central City fighting Captain Cold. Who's stealing ice. That, that, that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Flash even uh, made a comment about that. Green Arrow and Speedy are in Star City fighting Icicle. Uh, Aquaman and uh, Aqualad are in, I believe it was the, the middle of the, of the Atlantic fighting Killer Frost. <laughs> All kind of happening at once. They even say the time. Uh, Mr. Freeze even says that uh, he's underwhelmed that Robin, what was interesting was in broad daylight and usually you don't see many Batman fights in the daytime in Gotham. Uh, it was in the park. Sunshine. I've never seen a shiny Gotham. And Mr. Freeze is so underwhelmed that Boy Wonder is there to stop him instead of the bat, which sets up for conversations later. But it sets that whole story that you know we were talking about earlier of we're now trying to step out of the shadows of their mentors. A common theme between all four of these is, uh, except for Aqualad, they all seem impatient and really in a hurry. <laughs> Speedy seems particularly impatient. Speedy just seems angry. <laughs> like when they take out uh, Icicle, um, Green Arrow makes a joke about him having a glass jaw, and uh, that doesn't even get, get Speedy to, to lighten up at all. 
No, Speedy is definitely angry in this whole uh, montage of fights. But yeah, we, we, we get through these fights, and the sidekicks are talking about, come on, we got to hurry this up. This is, today's the day, today's the day. And, okay, what's today? Cut forward to the next scene, we're outside the Hall of Justice. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool to see the, the Hall of Justice. And what I thought was hilarious, the fastest people in the DC universe are the last ones there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the Flash. And to have him be the last one to show up is just hilarious to me. In fact, right when they show up, Wally's mad and says, I knew we were going to be the last ones to arrive. Right. <laughs> and all that was the intro. Like, they go into the credits at that point. Like, all that was just to build up to the opening credits. Yeah, it was just the opening shot of, this is what the show is. Congratulations. <laughs> and um, we're on the way of finding out that what the day is, is, you know, the sidekicks are getting led into the Hall of Justice. There's a whole bunch of reporters and uh, fans there, and uh, someone says, this part made me laugh, where they called him Flash Jr. Yeah. But then someone says, no, his name's Speedy, and they're like, no, that's Green Arrow's sidekick. <laughs> and someone else says, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I say, it's so meta. <laughs> you know, as, as comic book fans, that's come up a lot, and it's like, why isn't Flash's sidekick called Speedy? Well... Speedy was already taken. <laughs> In fact, uh, one of them comments, I think it was Wally that said this is the first time all four of the sidekicks have been here at the same time. That really pissed Speedy off. He's like, don't call me a sidekick. Not after today. Yeah. Wally said that he's sorry because he's overwhelmed. Robin says that <laughs> you're overwhelmed. Mr. Freeze was underwhelmed. Why isn't anybody just whelmed? That's probably my favorite line out of the entire series. And it annoys my wife because she hadn't seen the show at all. Every so often she'll be like, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm like, yeah, but are you ever just whelmed? <laughs> and she's like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, well, you're always either overwhelmed or underwhelmed, but can you just be whelmed just once? I usually get something thrown at me. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a anyone listens to the show. I know I'm a fan of a of a dumb joke, so <laughs> I would laugh if you said that. <laughs> so they're greeted by Red Tornado in uh, John Jaws. He says that they're going to have full access to the headquarters. Uh, make yourselves at home. They all uh, sit down in the chairs, and uh, Batman says they're going to have a debriefing because you know that Batman that. Uh, Four ice villains don't attack in the same day, and it's a coincidence. And he's a stickler for rules. Yeah. They're saying the debris shouldn't take that long, uh, but uh, Speedy just not having it. He's very upset. You promised us that uh, we're going to be joining, not just uh, get a glorified backstage pass, he calls it. You're in the Hall of Justice, basically talking about how they're in inside where no one else gets to go. And it's like, well, what's the difference? And, you know, they pan up and it's just all these reporters and fans <laughs> just looking through the glass down onto these guys. And he says that uh, he, he doesn't care what side of the glass he's on. 
Green Arrow, of all people, tells uh, Speedy he needs to have patience. Yeah. Talk about irony. <laughs> and uh, he's like, <laughs> what I need is respect and acceptance. And uh, we're not sidekicks. We're, we need to be treated better. And w- what I find interesting about this version of Speedy is this is very similar to the Roy Harper from the Arrow TV show. My wife has watched Arrow. I have not actually, I've watched Flash, most of it, not all of it. I have not actually, I keep meaning to sit down and watch Arrow now, but I have not watched it. I say just the temperament and everything is very similar to how they modeled Roy on the uh, live action mm-hmm. Arrow show. So that, that was a pretty cool callback. Now, uh, Speedy's very mad they don't back him up. They don't even say anything. And he asked them why they're playing this game. This is supposed to be our day. They're supposed to become full-fledged members. And uh, Wally says he thought step one was the tour of the headquarters. Now, you find out that, uh, according to Speedy, the hall isn't even real. It's just a uh, glorified tourist trap. The look on the hero's face when he announces that he knows their secret is just classic. Yeah, because he brings up that they have the Zeta beams to teleport them to their real headquarters, the Watchtower. Which, uh, that got a real disapproving look from Batman towards uh, Green Arrow. What? I thought he could handle it. (laughs) (laughs) He even says that maybe they can make an exception, and then Batman just sort of grimaces, and he's like, or not. (laughs) (laughs) I've always loved the dynamic between Arrow and Batman. It's kind of weird, because Green Arrow has been uh, portrayed as a hothead in a lot of the comics and some of the other cartoons, but he's... Very mellow in this one uh, compared to some of the other ones. Oh, especially up against like Batman because you have the dark brooding. I'm the warrior of the night. I am Batman. Y- you can't have hothead green arrow up against him. You have to have more of like the lighthearted uh, character. But you can't go full jokester because that's Flash. So at this point, he's that. Right down the middle between Flash and Batman, he's like the perfect combination of their personalities. Now, Aquaman tells uh, Roy he's going to stand down. He's like, uh, or what? You're going to send me to my room? And he says, oh, he's not your son, and I'm not even Ollie's. He thought he was his partner. and he, this, To make his point, he takes his hat off and he throws it down. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the classic trope of, Meh. So mad. I throw my hat at you. And I always wondered how those uh, hats stayed on uh, in the first place. They're fighting crime, swinging from buildings, and they've got those archer hats. Velcro. uh, Roy's like, uh, well, they're right about the three of you. And he walks out. He's not. He's done. He's not even going to put up with this. Right when that happens, Superman shows up on the screen, says there's been an explosion at Project Catmus. Batman's always been suspicious. Of Project Catmus, and maybe this is his opportunity to check it out. Dun, dun, dun. Now, this also threw me off. All of a sudden, Zatara shows up on the screen. <laughs> and if you had given me a hundred guesses of what DC character was going to show up, <laughs> Zatara would not be the one I would have guessed. No. It's like they had all the characters up on the wall. They threw a dart and said, okay, where this lands, that's who's coming. Boom. Huh. Zatara. Well, especially because I, I think I remember in the old Swamp Thing series, 
they killed him during Alan Moore's run. So I didn't even think he was even alive at this point. Uh, granted, it's not the comic books, but it seemed like he'd been dead for a long time in the comics when this cartoon was produced. He was back in Justice League, and then Zatanna was back a lot. So it's DC. No one's ever dead. <laughs> so they find out that there's a there's an amulet that's blocking out the sun. They decide the fire is uh, is being handled, so they're going to get the coordinates to go help uh, Zatara with this thing that's blocking out the sun. But when they're leaving, uh, they ask uh, Martian Manhunter if he's glad he didn't bring uh, you-know-who. Foreshadowing. <laughs> and then Tornado, the red tornado, looks very suspicious before he he walks out as well. It's like he knows that you can't leave these kids here unattended. That's true. Um, they have a big discussion about how they're still being treated by sidekicks. Aqualad is still level-headed, saying that uh, he thought that Aquaman trusted him. But they bring up how uh, if they don't trust him with the headquarters, what else aren't they telling them? Robin says, I have a better question. Why didn't we leave with Speedy? <laughs> <laughs> They want to know what Project Cadmus is, and Robus does that. No, Robus, <laughs> Robus, who's from Lost of Us, <laughs> Robin doesn't know, but he's going to get on the computer and he's going to find out. And then uh, his access is denied, and he says, "You want to bet?" I love on this cartoon. Every time his access is denied or accepted, there's like a little Robin smiley face on. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same system as the Batcave, so he can get into it. And he gets access to find out that Catmus is a genetic lab here in Washington, D.C. And if Batman is suspicious, Robin thinks this is worth an investigation. I say, if Batman's suspicious of anything, it's worth looking into. Aqualad says, if they can solve this case before the Justice League, it's going to be poetic justice. Or would it be young justice? <laughs> That's, I think it's a bit, a bit of both. So they, uh, they go there to Catmus to the fire is, and... Uh, and they said that uh, we're going to do this as a team because we didn't come here for a play date. The building is on fire and there's explosions, but uh, Wally runs up the side of the building, catches the firemen that are going to, well, actually they're scientists that are going to fall out of the building and he puts them on the roof, but then he's slipping and he's barely hanging on by the ledge. And then another part that made me laugh, the fireman's like, oh, it's what's his name? Uh, Flash boy. Because <laughs> nobody knows their names. <laughs> In fact, he says, it's Kid Flash. Why is that so hard? Aqualad, he uses his uh, water powers to, uh, he creates like a, almost like a tornado or something to throw himself up there to save the firemen. Uh, and he's got his war swords there. Uh, not the firemen, the scientists that are on the roof. It's like water savers. Yeah. Because they they're like lightsabers, but with water and they're whips. But they're water, so... I don't know what to call him. <laughs> when he comes in there, they're searching through the building, the the computer files, and Aqualad thought he saw a, a very shadowy figure in the elevator. And uh, that elevator should be locked down. And Robin says that it's a high-speed elevator on a two-story building, which doesn't make any sense. So Aqualad, he uh, rips it open, and they see that it goes down. He uses his grappling hook, which they all... I'll do, but he runs out of rope all the way at S. <laughs> at the end of my rope. Yeah, <laughs> level SL26. They bypass the security once again. Wally runs off. 
that has more of those great Robin faces on the security. Then um, this is where it really took a re- where these giant like demon animal type things that are like huge come strolling down with these little aliens riding on top of them. And uh, Aqualady makes a joke of, nope, nothing odd going on here. Well, see, and that, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. It's like, now that we've watched the show, you, you see what I mean? It's, this wasn't geared towards a toy buying crowd. This was geared towards a older audience. Yeah, it definitely looks like it's geared towards older audience or people reading the comics, not necessarily something that's just to sell toys. Because if you think about it, they, other than those fights with the ice villains, they haven't had a lot of action at this point in the cartoon. No. We switch to a lab where there's all these embryos and this guy, uh, Dr. Desmond, who's doing experiments, but he's uh, interrupted by a uh, guardian of all people. Better than Booster Gold. <laughs> who has a little like uh, alien thing on his shoulder. And uh, you notice it was Project Blockbuster. Which is just a weird name. I mean, I don't see what Project Blockbuster had any, like, why Blockbuster? <laughs> I don't know. Because uh, it doesn't relate to any of the, the things I think of when I think of Blockbuster, so I'm really not sure. Is it going to get replaced by Project Redbox? <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't believe, Dr. Desmond, that he didn't hear any perimeter breach, so uh, the computer must be wrong. And uh, the real Catmus is secure here in D.C., but Guardian says it's his job to keep it that way. There's also this third alien that shows up because uh, he's going to take a squad. And the third alien kind of looked like like a skinny version of the character Blue Devil. I don't know if you remember Blue Devil. That might if that's before your time. Yeah, like like a cross between Blue Devil and uh, you remember um, Kingpin's uh, henchman from the Spider-Man cartoon, his like right hand man. Oh, yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about. I, I can't think of a name. but uh, A cross between those two characters is who this guy really is. Um, they have a debate over whether or not to bring the other little aliens. Someone's saying they're in the way. But uh, his like horns turn red and Guardians almost seems like he's being hypnotized, saying he's going to need them at all times. Then we go back to the three of them, and they're in this giant room with all these uh, aliens and jars and electricity. This is when uh, Robin says he's officially whelmed at this point. <laughs> yeah. The full payoff to the whelmed conversation. <laughs> and um, he says that Cat misses because uh, he you know, gets in the computer again. They're, uh, it's a grid generator that powers these things. They must be bred for, uh, oh, well, that they're being bred for this. And uh, Aqualab brings up a myth of uh, there is a... Uh, a dragon whose tooth was sewn into the earth to create a new race. And that this is somehow related to what they're talking about. They call themselves genomorphs, as they found out when they went onto the computer. And they list a whole bunch of powers that they have. You don't get to see them at all. Uh, Robin lists some of them, like strength and speed. And I think, does he say telekinesis? I can't, I can't remember now that I'm thinking. I can't remember if he says it, but you definitely see it. Yeah. They also... Uh, it looks like uh, they're going to create an army for Project KR. Um, there's files on that. He doesn't know what they are. And then all of a sudden, Guardian shows up with the Geomorphs. He recognizes them. He's like, Kid Flash, Robin, he knows who they are. And uh, Kid Flash even says, at least he got my name right. <laughs> I'm glad somebody here knows me. And Aqualad actually knows who Guardian is. He says he's a hero. 
Uh, he says, uh, I'm security here, uh, but you're trespassing, so we better call the JLA to figure this out. Twitch gets spun around to, do you think the JLA would be happy about... Yeah, them creating weapons. Yeah. And then right when that happens, his horns turn red, and uh, it's like he's in his head ordering them to take him down hard. No mercy, even, he says. Sweep the leg. No mercy. <laughs> Robin throws uh, some uh, smoke bombs, and he kind of swings away. It's a fight scene with Aqualad fighting Guardian. He gets the better of him. Robin, of course, hacking into the computer. <laughs> Once again, Robin, I swear, exists just to hack into the computer. And uh, he even says, way to be a team player, Rob. <laughs> and he was like, weren't you right behind me? Robin makes computer hacking look so easy and so fun. <laughs> yes, he does. All you got to do is type on a keyboard and you'll be able to hack anything. Type on a keyboard and match the three symbols. Cherry, 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 winner. They get back in the elevator. They got to go down because uh, KR, Project KR is down on level 52. At this point, Aqualad says that maybe they should uh, contact the league. But uh, right when the door is open, it's like this big red cave, kind of organic looking with these blue lights, kind of diamond things. They even ask uh, Robin, where should we go down? Uh, bizarre hallway number one or bizarre hallway number two? And then uh, the blue devil type guy shows up and he says, halt. And uh, he uses his telekinesis on them. He tries to stop them. Robin throws the batarang as they take off. And then Guardian shows up, tells them all to uh, head for Project KR. Flash runs into a different female scientist, knocks her over accidentally because he's going so fast he didn't expect to see her. And they pry the door open. But then Aqualad shuts the door behind him. And then there goes Robin back on the computer again. Do do do. Robin, Robin, Robin. Winner. He's not hacking. He's disabling the door this time. And this is where we get the big reveal that there's a giant man. Well, he's not a giant. There's a giant tube with a man in it. And he basically looks like a Superman, but he's got an all white outfit on with a Superman symbol and three of the geomorphs above him. And about 15 years, at least 15 years younger. And uh, you find out it's a big K and a little R, which they say is the uh, atomic symbol for kryptonite, which I didn't know until if that's an invention of this cartoon or if that's something from the comic books, but that's the first I'd ever heard of it. I say KR is the uh, element for uh, krypton. Yeah. So I guess I'm right. I'm not an expert because I honestly, that, that I totally don't remember ever reading that prior to this. Aqualad tells Robin to hack to see what's going on here, like Robin really needs at this point uh, <laughs> to be told to hack. So, I think he just does it at this point for fun. I mean, because he has nothing better to do. I'm going to hack a computer. And uh, he finds out that this Superboy is a clone of Superman from stolen Superman DNA that's grown in 16 weeks, which is crazy to me. Not only is it crazy, that's scary. Because this is... While not a full-grown adult, this teenager is huge. And 16 weeks? Good lord. And it says that uh, the suit he's wearing it allows him to absorb yellow sun rays 24-7. And the geomorphs are, are feeding him information at a very quick rate, but making a slave out of him. Is that in the computer? We're specifically designing this clone to be a slave. You know, I've wondered that. It's like, it's just a little footnote. He's going to be a slave. 
are, are we just guessing or did somebody actually just throw that in? No, he's a slave. He, he just doesn't get to know it. So at this point, they, uh, it's essentially Superman's son, they say, in that we should probably contact the League if we're going to have to fight, basically, Superman. <laughs> but they say they're literally in too deep at this point. <laughs> I say the best one-liner in the show. We're in too deep. Literally. <laughs> and uh, outside, Guardian and the scientists and the, the geomorphs, they're still trying to get in. He says, get the G-trolls uh, set down and open it up. And Guardian says they're already on their way. So I guess all these geomorphs must have their own little sub-names as well as just because we have G-trolls. Which are built very similar to the uh, trolls from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. He says that uh, we can't let them leave. And Guardian says, this line kind of made me laugh as well. You realize we aren't dealing with your typical meddling kids. (laughs) Uh, You don't want to get on the wrong side of the Justice League. He says, you don't want to get on the wrong side of the Cadmus directors, believe me. So we don't find out in this episode, so that must be sort of a, a subplot of who's really behind Project Cadmus. He's like, contact the gnomes that are inside the KR. You can see that they're contacting them on the other side. And then the Aqualad says they got to set him free. So they, they wake him up. And uh, right when he gets out, uh, he like rips the thing off. And uh, well, first Robin tries to hook him with his thing. And he like grabs it, rips him, pulls Robin right into him. Aquaman uh, hits him with a giant water hammer, which was pretty awesome, I got to say. Uh, the thing I didn't like was uh, he flies. He goes right after Aqualad. And Aqualad actually manages to step out of the way of Superman. (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, so Superman's faster than a speeding locomotive. Faster than a speeding bullet, yeah. But more powerful than a speeding locomotive. Faster than a speeding bullet. But you can avoid getting hit by a train. You just step off the tracks. Yeah, I guess uh, you make a compelling argument. (laughs) As long as you're out of the trajectory, you're not going to get hit. Unless he shifts course. Aqualad seems like he's been trained well enough to have his wits about him. I, I don't see Robin necessarily shifting that fast to think, oh, got to move. He's going to take the hit. Because at this point, he's pretty much tossed Flash and Robin. Aqualad's giving him a little bit more in front of his money. Like I said, he hit him with that awesome war hammer. I, well, I should say water war <laughs> At one point, Aqualad gets on Superman's back, or Superboy. He's got him in like a reverse chokehold. He's like, he's screaming at him, we're trying to help you. But Superboy ain't having it. And he flies straight up into the ceiling, went on his back, crashing Aqualad into the, the roof of this place, knocking him cold as well. So, hot take. This fight with Superboy is better than the return of Superman fight in the Snyder Cut of Justice League. If you haven't watched this, go watch it. You're in for a really amazing fight scene. Yeah, it's a, it's a podcast, so I don't think I can either one of us could really describe it with justice. It is a pretty awesome fight scene, I, I got to say, especially when you built the whole episode around this moment. Like, no action the entire episode, and it builds this entire scene of just a brutal brawl between Superboy and our heroes at this point. And you, they really show how dangerous... 
Superboy can be if uh after 16 weeks. Could you imagine growing him longer? <laughs> if they got him to like full manhood? Yeah. And they have they're pumping yellow sun rays into him 24/7 so he's never he doesn't even have to wait to reabsorb it. Right. He's like a battery at this point. So then uh after he just cleans the floor with him, he rips the doors open again. Dr. Desmond sees what's happening and uh says, "Ada boy." And then we close the episode on a close-up of Superboy looking uh, <laughs> pretty menacing. And this is what you call, this is definitely a cliffhanger, this one. That's how they leave just about every episode. They leave you wanting to watch the next one. That's why when it was so unceremoniously canceled, everyone's like, ah, come on. <laughs> like. You don't have to come back full time, but you have to at least finish the story arc. <laughs> Do this is going to sound dumb, but did they have they done the season since bringing it back? Has that happened yet? When it came back to uh, the DC universe, they brought it back with the new season. Okay, and did they continue from the cliffhanger from like yeah. six years? Oh, damn. Yeah, they they picked right up where they left off. It was phenomenal. They paid off your patience. I got to say, this was one uh, hell of a cliffhanger. Like this, uh, I know we were only reviewing the one episode, but this made me almost jump right to the uh, <laughs> to the second episode. I'm going to say, if you have HBO Max, go and watch all the episodes. It's, it's worth it. Right now, me and my stepson are watching Brave and the Bold. I think when we finish that, I might see if I can convince him to, to jump on this. It's definitely worth it. I mean, the show is very story-driven. And that's what I really liked about it. It's you, you either have like super action driven shows, comedy driven shows, or a, a good mix. But this one is really story driven with some action and some comedy thrown in. And I think that's why it has such great appeal to the fan base that wanted to see it come back. You know, each episode, like I said, left you wanting to see the next episode. Because it would get to a point and just stop. And they would kind of resolve what happens, but set up just enough of a tease of more impending doom for the next episode. It's phenomenal writing. So on that note, we're going over to the spectrometer. Spectrometer for anybody new to the show is where me and my guests, we uh, rank what we just watched. Zero spectros being absolute garbage. Four spectros being you don't get any better. On a scale of uh, zero to four spectros, Moose, what are you going to give Young Justice Independence Day? Three and a half. All right. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go three. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought the animation was solid. My only real complaint was I guess I... I know it's an origin story, but I kind of wish they'd had the whole lineup up here. And it could have maybe a little more action, but overall, I thought it was really solid. I definitely am going to watch more episodes. I'm going to go three. As origin stories go, it was definitely a nice dip your toe in the water story, which as you go into the second episode, it's more of a two-part. But it's interesting. They don't bill it as a two-part episode. Yeah, they don't say Independence Day part one, I guess. Just call it Independence Day and leave it on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And you definitely get the rest of the story. 
on part two and it's like well the second episode is like why isn't this a two-part premiere instead of two individual episodes at this point because you get more of the lineup you get everything pretty much fleshed out for kind of how at least the first season's going to play and what's really cool is with young justice you get introduced to project cadmus which comes up later in other iterations of dc lore and it's now in the mainstream with young justice and everything it was really a good launching point for a lot of what what's now become just common knowledge for DC. Uh, I would say the fan light. Now, also every week we ask, and uh, you think if a child in 2021 came across Young Justice Independence Day, would they enjoy it? It's hard to say. It honestly, it depends on the type of show they're interested in. Um, like my son sat through the first episode. He thought it was okay. He didn't really get into the show until about the fifth episode. That's kind of when it gets to the more flashy animation style that kids today are used to. So that's kind of the drawback of that more more young adult audience that I think it was marketed towards. It, it had that darker, grittier tone to it than most shows do today. Yeah, I'm not sure. My um, my stepson, he's 15 now, but we watched the entire Justice League run and he enjoyed it. And we're watching Brave and the Bold now. So I think he'd give this a chance. But with all the different superhero cartoons, live action movies, films, TV shows, I'm not sure if this would stand out to a kid in 2021 any more than any of the other stuff out there. I think at this point, you're, you're right. With We're so inundated with superhero stuff that it's just oh it's another superhero show okay cool yeah i think you'd have to be like a kid who's a fan of some of those like robin or flash or some of them to for it to stand out to them more so than any of the other cartoons especially if you have hbo max they have so many different superhero (laughs) cartoons on there now yeah but what did you think out there did you like uh young justice more than we did did you uh like it less than we did, uh, we want to hear from you. So you can always go to uh, my social media, let me know. I'm at Matt Spectre on Twitter. And my Facebook is Matt Spectre Through the Multiverse. That's the whole point of these discussions. I always like to get different people's opinions, different people's thoughts. So if you liked it better than we did or liked it less, let us know. Moose, I definitely want to thank you for, uh, for doing this show. Um, this is another first. Uh, where I finally, I've been trying all summer to get people from other podcasts that I was unfamiliar that I met through social media to come on. So you're the first. So you're part of, you're part of history. (laughs) Oh, it was a blast, man. I had fun. I had a good time. I hope you'll come back someday. Uh, We're going to do the free plug part of our show where uh, I let my guests, if they have anything, whether it be podcast, Patreon, YouTube, whatever the case may be, the floor is yours. Plug away. Oh, yay. Plug time. I love plugs. All right. So, as we mentioned at the start of the show, I have a horror podcast. It is Moose's Monster Mash. You could find that over at electronicmediacollective.com. I also have a part of another podcast. 
It is the Zoobly Zoo podcast. It is me, my friend Billy, and one of the stars of the show, Michael Moynihan, who played Lookout Bear on Zoobly Zoo. And we talk about each episode of the series. You could find that as well at electronicmediacollective.com or on uh, Anchor FM at Zoobly Zoo podcast. Or you could find all of that and anything else I might be a part of at my Twitter page at Moose Media Inc. So plugs are fun. I agree. Um, I can speak for I've listened to, I haven't finished it yet, but I've, uh, I was listening to the, the Friday the 13th episode the other day. I can speak for it. It's good stuff. Definitely informative for anybody out there who's a big fan of that franchise. Uh, especially uh, when you were discussing the, um, I didn't know about the legal battle going on currently with the, the Friday the 13th series. Oh, yeah, that ever gets resolved, we'll finally have new uh, content. <laughs> You'll finally be able to get to talk about a 13th Friday the 13th movie, if that ever does yeah. happen. Finally finish out the, you know, I mean, there are 12 movies. They have to be able to get it to 13. It's in their name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't believe the the, uh, the punishing irony of they are on the 12th movie. <laughs> and it's literally been, what, 12 years since the last one came out? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. But no, I do really appreciate you joining me. I hope you come back for another episode sometime in the near future. Oh, for sure. And I want to thank everybody out there who listened. And if you could uh, always, uh, like I said, if you could like or subscribe, uh, that'd be great. I really appreciate it. Before we wrap things up, Moose, do you have any final thoughts? Young Justice is great. Matt's great. And like you said, follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Facebook. Listen to his show. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing this for? <laughs> and i want to thank you and hopefully you guys will join us all again next week for another exciting episode of matt spectro through the multiverse